Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome to the Boomer the Babe Show, your headquarters for interesting and stimulating conversation with people who have been there, done that, and bought the t-shirt. I think I heard our guest kind of giggle. Uh, and uh, said, welcome, this, this is the Boomer the Babe Show, and I'm Pete Peters. I'm Deborah Brown. Yes, uh, and we have bought the t-shirt. Yes, we did. Not only that, we actually created t-shirts yeah, a long time well, ago. We had a business we where we did that. So, yeah, yeah so we, welcome. We printed the t-shirts. and <laughs> uh, uh, Certainly welcome to our guest as well, Susan Reeve, author of The Wholehearted Life. And Susan is... Uh, an interesting lady that has done all kinds of neat things with regard to self-esteem and helping people grow and so on and so forth. And uh, I'm going to kind of turn this over more today to Deborah. I'll interject every now and then because this is in her wheelhouse. Thank you. So Thank uh, you. we're going to we're going to start with Deborah. And first of all, I'm going to say welcome, Susan Reeve, to the to the Boomer the Babe Show. We're glad to have you as a guest. And it is great to be here with both of you, Pete and Deborah. <laughs> I heard you giggle a little bit at our at our intro, and I, I'm hoping that was you giggling and not some other kind of noise happening on our on our airwaves. <laughs> it certainly sounded good. Yeah, it sounded it, good. It, it, just, it just made me smile. What a great what a great intro. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Um, first of all, welcome, welcome. And what we like to do is ask our our guest to provide what we call, what I call, your two-minute movie. And that is your life, as far back as you'd like to go, all the way to childhood if you'd like, coming forward to today. Tell us whatever you'd like to tell us in two minutes. And now, your two-minute movie. Okay. Well, I'm going to start with when I was a teen. And I kept a journal. And one of the things that I wrote in my journal when I was about 14 years old, is what would the world be like if everybody loved themselves? Now, I'm pretty certain during that time I was not in a place of loving myself. I was probably extremely self-critical, and little did I know that those were actually my marching orders because the body of my work, whether it's been in corporate settings, so I've worked in Fortune 100 companies, and uh, in various nonprofit organizations, I am always working with people on their relationships with themselves as the blueprint for all of the relationships in their lives. Some other highlights. I was born and raised in Manhattan, so I'm one of those people who did think that New York was the center of the universe. And something that was really impactful for me is when I finished 
uh, getting a master's in counseling in graduate school with my former husband. We traveled cross-country for 10 months in a camper, and that was a really fabulous experience for me to get a taste of the rest of the world and to truly appreciate that underneath it all, whatever labels we give ourselves, we are more alike than different. We all want to be loved, to express love, and we don't always know how to do that. And the other big thing in my life is that 10 years ago I left my corporate consulting practice. I was already an interfaith minister, and I I call the past 10 years of my life the gypsy years. When I lived in Arizona, I've lived in Massachusetts, I've lived on the eastern end of Long Island, I've spent a lot of time in Manhattan, I've traveled a lot, and I've written a number of books. The most recent is The Wholehearted Life, the subtitle Big Changes in Greater Happiness Week by Week. And what's most exciting to me these days is sharing the message of the wholehearted life to live a life of purpose and passion, but even more than that, to share that message as an elder. And I turned 65 last March, and so these days I feel that my perfect job title is Godmother. And um, I want the world to be a nice place for my grandkids, for their kids, and their kids' kids. And so I am on a bit of a mission to support people in each one of us being the world's greatest lover. Ha, love that. I love that. How did I do time-wise? Oh, my gosh. First of all, there's so much to unpack. I'm going to let Pete ask his his, um, burning question, and then I'm going to unpack your two minutes because this is going to be fun. So go ahead, Pete. Uh, Well, you... You, you mentioned being a, a, the grandmother, and, and as Deborah mentioned, we're, we're grandparents of two beautiful uh, young granddaughters. And um, how much do you worry about what the future holds for them? I know I worry an awful lot, not about the kids and what they're going to become, because I, they've got great parents, uh, and they got great grandparents too on both sides. All three—I guess you got three sets of grandparents, and and they're all uh, all pretty neat people, really, uh, ourselves included. Uh, but we worry. I worry a lot about what what this world is going to be uh, bring for them, what it's going to have for them, and uh, I'm wondering if you share some of those concerns. Well, I have to say, I really don't worry about it a lot. I am I there are two big things that come up for me. One of which is I think that all of the institutions that exist right now are in a place of major transformation. You know, they um in many cases they've lost connection with their mission and it's time for a reinvention and a renewal. And I think that that is the natural process. It's a human being's natural process, and I think that's true of our organization. So I think we see a lot of breakdown because under the surface, there is a consciousness that is focusing on being more loving and that each one of us has a responsibility in our daily actions to be the change we want to be in the world, Gandhi's quote. And so I'm actually hopeful 
in the midst of it thing uh, in the midst of it looking like everything's falling apart that the call is loud and clear to each one of us who are open to it to do our best to give it our all and to really practice love which in many senses i've had to learn well, you know, you talk about um, organizations being in a state of reinvention and renewal, and I would like to say that baby boomers, I'm hoping, are going to take up that rallying call as well and continue to be relevant and excited and, you know, figure out purpose and passion, either using your book as a as a tool or whatever they need in order to stay in the game. You know, I'm going to be 62 this year. Pete's going to be 68 in <laughs> in, a, in a in about a month or so. And you know what? We've got a lot of living to do. I love. There's a commercial on TV that the woman is walking towards you in a in a forest, and she's I think it's an AARP commercial, and she says, "I'm 60. I'm 62 years old. I've got big plans, lots of living to do." And I just think that is one of the best things, you know, for an attitude at this age, your age, my age, Pete's age, to say, I've got so much left to do. And and why wouldn't love be the foundation, right? Absolutely. I think what you've said is so important, Deborah, because if you look at the lifetime of those of us who are baby boomers and the changes that have occurred in the world in terms of our being able to see that we are one, in the in terms of social justice and greater acceptance of diversity yes there's still a long way to go but so many of us have been at the forefront of experimenting expanding our consciousness and i agree we have so much to do we have so much to give from the experience from lived experience and that's why I feel hopeful, because there are so many people like the three of us who see that, in, for me, in some ways, I feel like my life is really just beginning. All of those things that I wasn't enough because I wasn't thin enough, I wasn't this enough, I wasn't that enough, I wasn't lovable enough, I wasn't worthy enough, I that's in the past. I'm really embracing who I am and what my gifts and talents are and not comparing them to somebody else's. Well, I understand that, and I can tell you that at the age of, I said I was going to be 62 in August, at the age of 61 and change, I finally got a cleansing breath and have been able to breathe, and I'm talking about psychologically breathing <laughs> you know mm, i finally yes. have been able to take that breath where my lungs expand and i go you know what i am definitely enough i've got it going on I, I don't need to have anybody else validate me for any reason and i have been this way my whole life and um and it's very very um tiring and exhausting to have to have that feeling like you can't get that breath you know what i'm saying it's like there's no expansion <sighs> Absolutely. I, I had an experience just this just this week. I am dating again at age sixty five. God bless you. <laughs> which is quite a trip. 
and um, and there's a man who I've been in in contact with who sent me an email, and I wasn't sure how to respond to it. Well, actually, I had an idea of how to respond to it. I was curious to hear other people's opinions, not as though they would have the right answer for me. These are girlfriends. But because I wanted to get clearer about what I thought. And so I just wanted to have the conversation. And what stood out for me, because I heard a whole array of opinions from five different friends of mine, is that I didn't become defensive hearing somebody else's opinion. I understood it was their opinion. I wasn't thinking about what they thought of me. And I thought, this is really helpful in me getting really clear. And for me, that's a breath of fresh air, to allow myself to explore so that I know what's true for me. Oh, that's wonderful. Uh, I think, go ahead, Pete, you have a question. Well, you're talking about a cleansing breath, and Deborah mentioned cleansing breath, and, and she had this epiphany, if you will. Uh, I, I've got to admit, I've had something similar. I've not even told her this that much about it, but uh, I I don't know if this is universal or if it's just me, but within the last uh, year and a half, my mother passed, and my dad passed uh, 10 years prior to that. But we were, the two of us were basically involved in their care. Uh, both had al- eventually had Alzheimer's and, and passed too. Um, but then when they passed, uh, I felt like I graduated. In other words, uh, it was a relief. Uh, of the stress, and it was the relief of the worry, and uh, and I took a cleansing breath, and I knew then that I was truly on my own with Deborah, and we were going to do whatever it is that we wanted to do, and we weren't going to worry about what other people thought anymore, because mm. there was no other, there were no people to um, uh, to to be concerned with their thoughts. I mean, not that we weren't. Uh, not that they were over-concerned with my parents or she with her her mother, but uh, nonetheless, it, it was just, it was a, a move on, and it was just like all of a sudden, like, wow. All of a sudden, there yeah. became a little bit of a peace. Uh, do you find that that happens to a lot of people, or is it just me? Well, I mean, I also had a similar experience. My dad passed when I was 25, and my mother uh 14 years ago and you know there is a hold that our parents have on us and that it's easy to uh almost on automatic sometimes revert to being a child and hear what they say as criticism as some kind of judgment and wanting their approval <laughs> but i definitely feel now that my parents are guardian angels in my life and there is a freedom in not having to explain. You know, what what I'm struck with is that week two of the wholehearted life is a chapter on breath. And in talking about this, I I just like to share a thought that I've had about breath for the past few years. And and often when I meditate and when I start coaching sessions or lead groups, I start with a centering technique. And I have people imagine that with each in-breath, it is the loving energy of the universe, the greater field of life that's breathing in and through them. And that with each out-breath, 
we each offer our energetic signature to the collective consciousness. And it's such a powerful idea for me that we are constantly contributing to this field that we breathe in and we breathe out. And, you know, I mean, what essentially is that that uh, that cleansing breath? It's kind of a sense of freedom, a sense of surrendering into the support and love that surrounds us. So I feel so excited that you're both, the, the three of us are talking about breath. Well, it's, it's, um, it's one of the most important things that was missing for me in such a way that I have a, a green piece of paper with a beautiful um, calligraphy of the word breathe that used to be above my head in, in the old office we had um, for years. And I would look at it and I would go, whatever, you know, <laughs> that's not happening. I mean, I always, felt like, <laughs> I always felt like I was getting just enough air to stay alive and not enough to be happy. You know, I mean, I'm a happy person, but not mm-hmm. enough to really, like, like we're talking about right now, that feeling of, I don't have anything weighing me down. Nothing. Nothing is weighing me down. I worry a little bit about Pete's health. I do not worry about my health, thank God. I am healthy as a horse, praise be. And I um, I just love everything about our new situation. We we got married, I think I was telling you in, before we mm. got on the air. <laughs> we got married after 26 years of living together. And the call that I made to my five girlfriends to say, you know, we got married and, and to hear them squeal at me how excited they were and how they just couldn't believe you know, it took 26 years because they love Pete as much as I do. And they always told me that if we were to ever separate, they get him in the, in the quote-unquote at that time, quote-unquote divorce. So, and the only thing that they were angry about is that we didn't get to have a ceremony where everybody wore the dresses with the big butt bows, you know, the big bows on the butt. So um, I'll have to make it up to them someday. But my point is... Um, I don't remember what my point was. I'm just excited. I'm excited about being alive. I think that's what I want to say. So isn't that really when you figure out the wholehearted life, isn't that really the kind of thing that you hope other people experience, that that zest that they just can't wait to do the next thing and and enjoy what they're doing now and all of it? I sound like I'm on speed. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I feel really excited by this conversation, but absolutely. I mean, when we think about it, life is short. Mm-hmm. And it goes, I have certainly found the older I get, the faster it seems to go. And that we really have a choice. We have a choice to feel victimized by the circumstances of our life. And I have to say, I mastered feeling victimized by the circumstances of my life. Little circumstances, I'd buy, I'd buy a skirt, I'd get home. Uh, the zipper was broken, Uh, you know, the bigger circumstances, illness, divorce, miscarriages. um, What's clear to me is we can also feast on it. When we view life from the point of view that every moment is either an, an opportunity to experience, to give, receive, and to be love, or a call for greater love in our life. Those old patterns of thinking, our version of I'm not enough, I've come to to approach them as though when that pops up for me, yeah, initially I feel like, oh, 
feeling this way again. I thought I was through with that. But I have to say, a very, very short time later, sometimes within minutes, and generally these days, never longer than a day, is that these this resistance that we feel, the fear we feel, the anger we feel, the hopelessness, the separation, the isolation, they're calls for love and they are indicators of our growing edge, our leading edge, and they do not have to be bleeding edges. Now, is this after years of self-development work that this has happened for you, or is it something else that you just... See, I just took a really good breath right there, too. Um, um, Or is it just something in the ether that... The kindred have called to one another, and they're saying, dude, it is time to get this right, because we are the ones that we've been waiting for, sort of like that Hopi, um, the Hopi leader said in 2001, we are the ones we've been waiting for. Yes, uh, and, and my response, Deborah, is it's both. You know, when I was 14 years old, I wrote in my journal, what would the world be like if everyone loves themselves? I mean, where did that come from? Right and uh, and yes, I have uh, you know I've been a therapist. I've done, I've worked in all different kinds of corporate settings. So I've had the opportunity to work with all different kinds of people. I've traveled extensively. I did work on on stress management in the Soviet Union in in 1991. So you know I've had great opportunities, and so yes, it is the self development piece. And it has taken me a long time to to really get within me about what it means to be loving and to have the courage, and it has taken courage to express love. You know, and I, I'll share with you a risk that I took. I, I wrote about it in The Wholehearted Life. And I grew. I was born and raised in Manhattan. I was living on Eastern Long Island when 9/11 occurred. And for me, there was a part that this was my hometown that this was happening in. And I was invited to go into New York a few days later, and wearing my hat of an interfaith minister, to be part of a service for the employees of two major medical centers that were merged at the time, Mount Sinai and and New York University Medical Centers. And I thought a lot about what I was going to say. And I decided that I was going to say a loving-kindness meditation, which ends with wishing the best for our enemies, hoping, w- wishing a prayer that our enemies heal, a prayer that our enemies are safe, a prayer that our enemies are, are, are at peace. And, you know, I really thought about, can I really say this in the midst of this horrific um, disaster on the soil in the United States? And I thought, absolutely, this is what I personally believe, that love is an energy that can transform whatever else is going on. I mean, that's what forgiveness is about. And so there's so much going on in the world now that I think is an enormous call for love. 
Well, I re- I really think that you are um, in the minority, Susan, uh, because I mean when you see everything that everybody and hear everything everybody's saying all around, whether they be uh, political figures, whether they be just people on the street, whatever the case might be, uh, foreign dignitaries. Uh, there's not a lot of call for love there. I know, and that to me is many years ago, I went to hear a woman by the name of Karen Armstrong, who she's created something called the Charter for Compassion Speak. And she's written a number of books, History of God. Her books were always too dense for me to read through. But she said something that really struck me, and this was in the 1990s. She said, whenever there's a major change, a paradigm shift going on in the culture, historically, what you see before that shift becomes the accepted shift in consciousness is a rise of fundamentalism. You see this holding on to the old, very strict. And I've seen it in my own life. Just before, and in the lives of my clients, just before an enormous change in someone's life, there's often this holding on to the past, the fear of the unknown, not knowing how it's going to work out. So I certainly know, Pete, that um, I, my voice is not yet the, the majority. As Deborah said just a little while ago, there is an undercurrent of of young people who have been born to parents who have invested time in self development, who really understand you know, it took Martin Luther King's speech to heart, uh, who really understand that we are one and I do see, you know, probably as a result of the work that I do and what I write about I see such cause for hope. Well, I do too. And I, I, I heard Pete say what he said, and I know that we both sometimes are watching news programs that we like to watch all day long sometimes in the background of what we're doing during the day. And it's depressing, most of it, and all negative, and kind of hard to to remember that there is the other side of what's going on, and that is people being nice to each other and helping one another and, you know, running into burning buildings to save people, you know, mm. when others go away. I mean, you know what I'm saying? There, there is enough of the, of the other side of that that hope is not lost. <laughs> so, but um, when, when someone like you writes a book like this and says, this is the call. This is, this is it. You know, this is, you can do this. You can do this for 52 weeks. I have, I have a plan, and, um, and it's, it's, it's not hard. It's just unfamiliar, right? And it's yes. a good thing for you to do, right? So I don't know. I think, well, let me just read something from your book. And it says, to live with an open heart, a heart that has weathered storms, a heart that has been broken and through its cracks invites the healing light of love in and allows its loving light to shine through, a heart that continues to be nourished through the love, gratitude, and joy of a life fully lived. That's the choice to live a wholehearted life. That's beautiful. Mm. Mm. It's such a treat to hear my words read by someone. Thank you. And, and you know, they're not my words. They, I'm the instrument of the words. 
Well, we are the instruments. We're the instruments whether we're writing, whether we're um, helping uh, a neighbor, you know, pick the oranges off the tree because they've got too many of them and, and you know, it looks terrible on the ground when they fall all down in, in Arizona. It's like, oh, my God, we've got so many fruit she, trees around looks, here. As she looks clean. out the window and sees all the oranges <laughs> on the ground. Yeah, I'm looking at my, my trees. I'm like, could somebody, could you please let everyone know it's time to help glean the trees? Um, but you know what? Just that, what I just said is a physical example of contributing to someone else. But when you talk about contributing to the consciousness of the greater field of life, why don't we talk mm-hmm. about that some more? Because I love that. Sure. Because that's sure. how I feel. I feel that what I do leaves a mark. And it may not be a mark that, <clears throat> that gets written down anywhere, that gets read after I'm gone, you know, in some, in some journal of, you know, cool things that people did. But I know mm-hmm. that I'm leaving a mark when I do something nice, when I do something thoughtful, when I do something reflective of, of um, you know, a good citizen. So what, mm-hmm. what do you think about that? Well, let, let I, me just quickly, yeah. let me quickly interject. Deborah, Deborah leaves a mark every time she visits with the grandchildren. Those grandchildren mm-hmm. have a mark uh, left by her. And uh, it, it's really cool to see. And, uh, I just had I just had to kind of stick my nose in there and say that because those kids love her to death and uh, and I'll let you go on. Thank you. <laughs> Wasn't expecting you to say that. It makes me think of my grandchildren, and I just have a delicious <laughs> feeling. Uh, I think that we are each and every one of us is leaving a mark every single moment. And that when we understand, and and this is, you know, as science has, has continues to expand and quantum physics and the new biology, everything is energy. Thoughts are energy. Our feelings are energy. And so when I'm thinking hateful thoughts about myself or others and I exhale, that breath, is imbued with the energy that I was just experiencing through me. And so when I, you know, what fascinates me is we don't know who or what, whose thought or what action is going to be the tipping point in consciousness. And so it could be me. It could be you. It could be any one of the listeners. It could be the cashier at the supermarket, uh, the toll taker on on a highway. And so when I really get, and I'm not saying I have this handled, um, you know, 100% of the time. I, I have it handled a good deal of the time because I have made this my, this is what lights me up. I mean, those marching orders when I was 14, what would the world be like if everybody loves themselves? Well, what would my world be like if I loved myself and if I approached life from that particular point of view? And so we each have a big responsibility. And what I've found, and I've worked with thousands and thousands and thousands of people, is that the thing that is our greatest wound in life winds up when we can <coughs> heal, when we can stop being um, ashamed and angry and resentful because of that wound, that wound ultimately becomes our greatest gift. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, <clears throat> you know, I'd like to pull a couple of things that I've read um, of yours together in one spot here. And Great. that is that <laughs> that we live in a blue marble world. Mm. And you know what I mean by blue marble because you wrote about it in the uh, introduction to your other book. Yeah, The Inspired Life. Yes. And yeah. I just love that concept, and I, I will let you tell what that is in a moment. But if we can incorporate that kind of thinking, not that we are a grain of sand, which seems very inconsequential, really, but that it is a blue marble world and that we are all one is awesome. So tell us what blue marble has to do with anything. Well, the blue marble is refers to a photograph that was taken in um, on December 7th. I, I have my book, my Inspired Life, open right now on December 7th, <laughs> 1972, as the Apollo 17 crew left Earth, left Earth's orbit, and they were able to take a picture of the Earth. And the the name, the title that was given to that image, is the blue marble, and it is a, a physical representation through the photograph that we are one humanity, we're one planet. It shows that we are all living on this this sphere that is out in space, which is pretty amazing. And that idea that we are one is that. You know, what I do, to because of our interconnectedness, I have an impact. You know, my thoughts of I'm not enoughness have an impact on the consciousness that wind up being food for other people who think they're not enough. And what happens when we're feeling that we're not enough? We compare ourselves for others to others. We strike out at others. We are doing this constant um, game of who's of who's better, and we forget that we truly are in all of this together. I mean, I like to think of it this way: it looks like we're separate because we have separate bodies, but I inhale and then I exhale, and you walk by me and you inhale. You've just inhaled some <coughs> of my exhale. I mean, we're swimming in connectedness. Well, the very word inspire has to do with breath. So that's really interesting that we started out talking about breath uh, in this conversation. And, you know, when you're talking about what we do when we are not expanding, we are minimizing ourselves or diminishing ourselves, which diminishes everything around it because it's all connected. Yes. So um, I, I, I just had one of those very odd things happened to me just now, and that is this. A couple of years ago, <clears throat> I chose uh, an image to go with my watchword for the year. Matter of fact, it was probably two years ago. And the watchword for the year was Inspire. And mm. I found a stock photo that is one of the most beautiful images <clears throat> of the Earth. And it is a blue marble, of course, now that we're talking about this. Who knew? And there is a yellow butterfly sitting atop that sphere and then I have put the word inspire on there and some definitions and if I'm not mistaken the word breathe is highlighted and I will send this to you so you can see how beautiful this is 
great. <laughs> and and today this comes to my mind as you know, sort of like that was that was that was a harbinger of this conversation. This is very mm. interesting. Very interesting. Yeah, I mean, don't you both find at least I find this that one of the gifts of getting older is all of the connections and that in a sense there's nothing in our life that's random. You know, it all counts. It doesn't have to count in a way that that it's heavy on us. Uh, that it life is just so absolutely miraculous. I love that you just said that. It's, it all counts. Oh, my God. If everyone could just let somebody know today that it all counts and what that means to you, oh, my God, look at that. That's, that's, that's a bingo right there, isn't it? It all counts. What yeah, you've done, and how, what you, yeah, how you've been with other people, it all counts, and it doesn't have to be a negative thing. It just, you know, it just is. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, that's what's so important because if I knew everything counted and if I knew success was a possibility, whatever success might mean to us, who would I be and what would I be doing? So why don't you go through a couple of of the concepts, if you don't mind, in The Wholehearted Life, Big Changes and Greater Happiness Week by Week. I understand it's 52 chapters, therefore the week-by-week reference. See, I'm very smart having lived (laughs) for 61 years. (laughs) And I also want to say that I like the idea of being uh, the elder. I know that um, in some um, lexicons um, I would be the the crone, which I just think is Mm -hmm. just as god-awful. So I'm going to go Mm -hmm. with wise elder or godmother rather than crone. I'm just not going crone. Oh, Pete has his finger in the air. (laughs) (laughs) When you talk about being the elder, um, we ascend that position chronologically, and I'll go back to the passing of your parents. All of a sudden, it's you. You are Mm -hmm. the elder. You are the... Whether you have the wisdom or not is another story, but you you are in a position of the wisdom, and um, and, and it can be daunting, but it can also be very um, refreshing. And uh, I kind of like being the elder. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely do. I feel an enormous amount of freedom. And, Absolutely. You know, a, a combination of freedom and credibility, credibility from lived experience, credibility from having so many different experiences. And part of the freedom is I've lived through people being angry with me. I've lived through people not liking me. So it's okay if somebody doesn't agree with my particular opinion. It's okay if somebody has a different point of view. And I find such freedom in that. And so this is so with that freedom I'm I've I've chosen a uh, chapter it popped into my mind Deborah as soon as you asked and it's titled it's week number 42 and I t- it's titled eat dessert first <laughs> and I I'm just going to read a, a bit of it eating Please. dessert first is about having the good stuff first don't save it for a rainy day don't wait until tomorrow 
Don't wait until you are the right weight, until your nails are the perfect length, until every issue in your life is worked out, or until you have the right amount of money in the bank. Do it now. Many people spend their lives waiting, waiting to get married, waiting to finish school, waiting to have kids, waiting for their waiting till their children are grown, waiting until they retire, waiting, waiting, waiting. All we have is now. The past is over and the future lives in our imagination. Now is the precious present, a gift that contains all the power that ever was and ever will be. And then there are seven days of exercises to do this. And so I encourage our listeners to sometime today eat dessert first. And dessert may be a sweet for you, or dessert may just be a piece of fruit that you love. I mean, it's very, very cold in the Northeast right now, and I just had this image. Something like dessert for me right now would be some refreshing watermelon to remind me of summer. I should think maybe dessert was a bowl of warm soup. <laughs> uh, oh, I, I've had a lot of that. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm moving into imagining a, a different, uh, a different weather. <laughs> exactly. <clears throat> so, I'm. Um, I like the idea that your book is uh, is set up the way it is, so that it is linear, but it doesn't probably have to be linear. In other words, can a, can a person jump around and do? Well, we just you just invited people to do week forty two first, so it doesn't have to be started um at the beginning, I'm gonna guess. Right. I mean I find that I open it randomly every so often. And I might open it with a question in mind or my might open it with, Okay, what's my thought for today? And it's it's written in such a way here's Here's some of my thinking when I wrote it, is that as human beings, you can think of us as having four major aspects. There's a physical aspect to us. There's a mental, that's our conceptual aspect. There's an emotional, our our feelings, and there's a spiritual aspect. We can enter through any of those doors to experience our wholeness. And so the book is filled with, there's a chapter about exercise, and some of that exercise is physical exercise. There's uh, there's a week that focuses on prayer, so that opens through a spiritual door. There's a chapter about use your feelings as your guide, so that opens the emotional door. There are pieces about have a new thought, so that engages our thought processes. Each one of us has our own particular way of entering the experience of being whole. And for me, there are a variety of ways. You know, being in the presence of a newborn just opens my heart. Seeing the full moon in a clear sky, I take a deep breath. Listening to a great piece of music, getting up and dancing to that music, that physical activity. So I give you in this a taste of a variety of different ways to experience yourself being wholehearted. Some you're going to like and some you're not going to like. Fine. 
do what works for you. Open the book randomly. Get a few friends or family members together and go through it week by week. Or each week, one of you chooses the chapter that you'd like to focus on. I'm doing a program now called 30 Days on Purpose. And so I've taken some of the concepts from the book, and each day of those 30 days, the participants in the program get a message about that particular concept. What's most important to me and what my desire for this is, is that you find something in here that opens your heart. You find something in here that that opens you to greater love. And that's the best gift that we all have to give and to receive. It is. It is. And I wrote something a while ago that was kind of my treatise on what I think people want, and I decided that my universal thought was that people want love, respect, and comfort. Mm. And it sounds like the kinds of things that you would have people experience and reflect on in your book, week by week, chapter by chapter, would give them opportunities to expand love, respect, and comfort. Because when you're comfortable in your skin or when you're comfortable in your relationships, is kind of what I'm thinking. That's what I meant by comfort. Um, that um, uh, you can just, you can be, you can be bigger, better. And I don't mean that yes. as, a, as a, um, a judgmental word. I just mean whatever better looks like for you. Yeah, more expansive. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I love that idea of comfort. And something that I've been playing with recently is the idea of being comfortable stepping outside of my comfort zone. Yes. <clears throat> the, mm-hmm. the idea of, of, of taking a risk. And so often the risk, this is what I'm noticing lately, is to be more loving, to be more expressive of that love, and to go for my vision, to go for my dreams. The risk is not about how can I be angrier? How can I be more resentful? The risk is really about how can I truly allow myself to express my gifts, my talents, my skills, and my love more and more fully. Because ultimately, that's when I feel the best. You were talking a minute ago about the the rise of fundamentalism just before mm-hmm. a major shift. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that is a kind of a good a good way to look at what's happening and to kind of make it seem a little less daunting and a little less scary. If if that's what's happening, it's be, you know <laughs> it's because people of goodwill, people who are um consciously seeking, people who are open hearted wholehearted are figuring out what you're talking about they're going to they're going to choose your book they're going to listen to our show they're going to do your program they're going to work with me whatever it is and this is all going to be um at some point it's going to hit momentum towards um that uplifted place what's different from what it is right now because it's scary out there right now yeah, and I, you know, it also helps me, you know, and again, I have the advantage of working with thousands of people in all different environments 
over a 40-year period is that on a personal level, somebody seeks a therapist or somebody seeks clergy or somebody gets lost in, in, in an addiction, when they're feeling feelings, what we, what we normally call negative feelings, and, you know, I see the gift in that. I, I mean, I know how hard it is. I don't like it when I feel those feelings. I, what's happening is those, those parts of us that are wounded, that are hurt, that feel disconnected and isolated are coming to the light of our conscious awareness. And so what we see in governments, what we see in healthcare, what we see going on around the world, old battles that have gone on since ancient times that are continuing, when we see that, it's being brought to the light of our conscious awareness. And we have a choice at that point. Do I feel smaller than these big problems or do I make a decision that in my own way, whatever that is, and it may be smiling at the checkout person at the supermarket, that in my own way, how can I be a stand for? How can I be an energetic spark for that which I desire? For my kids, for my grandkids, for all of us, on this short time that we have on Earth. Wow, I love that. Uh, I was writing that down. So, <laughs> <laughs> I about just about um, I, ha- I have four pages of notes if you ever need them. So, <laughs> so funny. <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to listening to to the recording of this so I can hear what I'm saying. There you go. There you go. Well, you know, you're talking about um, the wounds and the old battles and so forth, bringing brought to light, but then. You're also using the word spark right after that. And we are being brought to light. In other words, we, we signed up as beings on this earth, one of the ones on the blue marble, you know, to, um, to be that light for somebody else, for ourselves, for our children, our grandchildren, and the neighbors, and then ripple outward so that the community that we live in is better and, and all of it. I mean, I am not a Pollyanna. I am not a um, a person that made that up. That's that's what we signed up for. That's what we're here for. Absolutely. And when we each discover, allow ourselves to to become aware of what is my particular expression of that. Is it through music? Is it through words? Is it through being with kids? Is it through numbers? Is it through loving the planet? You know, whatever it might be. You know, we live in a universe. And so each one of us has a particular note, has a particular voice to create, a har- to create harmony or disharmony. And so what do we bring to it? You know, what I'm struck with, I think, you know, the universe has, has, has one verse and it's yes and says yes to whatever our dominant thought is, whatever our greatest um, energetic vibration is. And our thoughts create our feelings, whether or not we're conscious of the thoughts. And the feelings, the sensations that we feel in our body let us know 
am I exhaling love or something else? Again, without a judgment about it. Well, that's a good one, too, because there are days when my, well, let me put it this a different way. I would say that I exhale love about 99.99% of the time, but that mm-hmm. other little fraction there, when it's not that, it's ugly. <laughs> it yeah, is I, not, you do not want to be in the same zip code because yeah. something will get on my last nerve and sometimes it's Pete. And no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but you know what? It, it is. It's like, oh man, I am exhaling crap into the universe because this is not pretty. And then, thank God, I'm able to notice it and say, well, wasn't that entertaining? Uh, you're not exactly um, the note that you were supposed to be playing did not add to that score at all. <laughs> it was flat. You <laughs> <laughs> were supposed to be sharp, and that was a B flat. So. Yeah. I, oh, that's that, that's good too. Be sharp, be flat. I like this. I'm liking this. I think we should do this Me again, too. Susan. <laughs> yeah, the, I I would love to. The, what I want to add on because you're giving me so many things that are popping into my mind is that I also I would say I I'd say like 93 percent of the time I am I'm awake, I'm conscious, I'm loving towards myself <laughs> and others. And right. but that seven percent when when there comes a moment that I'm not at that moment I'm a hundred percent. And one of the things that you said, Deborah, that I think is so important is when you notice. I mean, noticing yeah. counts because as soon as we notice, we either immediately see how absolutely absurd it is, or we see, whoa, I got a lot going on in me. I've got to write in my journal. I've got to work out. I want to call a friend. I've got to watch an old movie. I mean, whatever we do to take that deep breath and gather ourselves together. Um, and so noticing is so important. And then acknowledge ourselves for noticing. Because I have so many clients who say to me, yeah, I noticed I was angry and then I got really annoyed with myself. And I say celebrate that you noticed because then you're awake and then you get to make a new choice. And sometimes the new choice is, what's the gift here? Sometimes the new choice is, whoa, what's, what am I believing that triggered me by that seemingly inconsequential experience? Well, I have a, a way of popping myself back to um, full contribution and expression of my gifts um, by um, when I'm not in that mode, I'm, I'm feeling like there are monkeys jumping up on up and down on a couch inside my brain. I mean, like, I can see the monkeys. They are going insane. They are completely unruly. And they are, uh, you know, just like wreaking havoc with my emotions, with whatever's going on. So I just notice the monkeys, and then I, I name them. I ha- They have names, and I ask them uh-huh. to sit quietly on the couch and, you know, relax. And because I take that moment, go ahead. Sit quietly on the couch, or else I'm going to not feed you a banana. (laughs) Exactly. Take your bananas away. (laughs) But when I do that, it gives me that moment, that frankly, that moment to take a breath and say, you know, these silly monkeys. And it makes me laugh out loud. And then I Mm -hmm. frankly almost forgot, you know, in that same moment, what was bothering me in the first place. And that is why my percentage of feeling pretty damn good about myself is high. 
because I keep my monkeys in order. <laughs> well, I, I, may I add something to that? You keep them in order and you acknowledge them. Because yeah. so many people want to get rid of them. Oh, no, my monkeys live here. <laughs> yeah, and, and they're, they need love and acknowledgement. And, I mean, what you're describing is you're really giving them so little attention, and that's all they need. Oh, I have to add something, Susan. I forgot the rest of my yeah. um, the rest of my plan is I give them each a uh, you know those charms uh, suckers you know it's the, the huge sucker that's um, oh probably what three inches around two inches around and um, yes. they they come in all the beautiful flavors. Well, I give them each a different color, a different flavor, and I say you know enjoy the lollipop for a while, and it's just fun you know and it and it really. Yes, it may sound goofy to other people, but it's what works for me, and it keeps me from uh, prolonging an upset <clears throat> because it is noticing, it is taking the time to be with myself, frankly, and my monkeys, and give them a gift to, you know, to to make them feel like that they, they had uh, val- uh, validity or what. It's just funny, you know. But yeah, it works, you're loving and, them. Yeah. Yeah, why not? Oh, I, lo- I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that image. That's so powerful. Well, you're welcome. You're welcome. And um, thank you for writing the book. Now, I don't, I don't have a copy of it yet, but I'm going to get it. And I'm looking forward to the week-by-week um, purpose and passion and big changes and greater happiness. Now, <laughs> Here's the thing. If a person already feels pretty happy and they get a book where the subtitle is Greater Happiness, that's a very exciting. I, that's yes. ser- I'm serious. That's very exciting. Mm-hmm. Because we're constantly expanding. We're, we're not stagnant be- beings. We live in an expanding universe. So our capacity to be, give, and receive love... Our capacity for happiness is always expanding. I mean, I wrote this book, and I find, you know, when I open it randomly and I read something, and I'll think, whoa, I wrote that? that that's really good. This is really <laughs> helpful. This is just what I needed to hear today, just what I needed to be reminded of today. So, we're, you know, there are probably some of us who go back to certain movies we see over and over again or certain books or certain poems, certain quotes, and they meet us where we are today. So, you know, if you're happy, great, and allow it to expand. I love it. I love it. Well, talking about going back to something, I'm going to have to go back to the golf course because that's where I'm really happy. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Well, and when you do that, then the the note that you provide, that particular note that you provide, that you add to the score in this house, is the right note. I like it. I love this idea of... Unless I shoot a terrible, lousy score, then it's not so right. (laughs) Well, there's that. Um, But I like the idea. I'm I'm envisioning um, the the musical staff or the... the, the, What is that called? The treble club. well, yeah, but the the whole lines and all that stuff, and you can write your notes on that on the score. Score. I was right the first yes. time. Yeah, um, I'm envisioning that and being able to add my notes 
and I'm not going to want them to be sour notes because then it messes up the score for everybody else. So this is very mm-hmm. cool. Thank you, Susan. I love this. Yay. This has been great. Thank you so well, much. Well, we are down to the short rows here. There's no doubt about it. Before we let you go, I'd like you to give any information you want to give about how people can reach you. Uh, if they're interested in uh, discussing or studying with you, uh, I know you've got a podcast. Tell us about uh, how we can get to your podcast and any other contact information you would choose to tell us. Now's your time sure. to give your to give your commercial. Okay, so my website is susanreeve.com. That's S-U-S-Y-N. R-E-E-V as in Victor E dot com. And my podcast is the on purpose show dot com. I believe it's on purpose show dot com and that will take you to that website. And it's been such a treat. Thank you so much, Pete and Deborah, for this great opportunity to be with you and to share my book. Thank you. You are so welcome. Thank you so much. It's been absolutely delightful. Well, thanks again, Susan, and, you know, I'm sure we could have gone another hour if we'd have had the time. So uh, uh, it's been it's just been a great hour. It's gone by very quickly. Thanks again for joining us. Make it a blue model day. <laughs> yes. Bye-bye for now. Okay. Bye. Take care. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us, and uh, we're going to sign off now, and we'll be back on Friday with another guest at 10 o'clock Arizona time, 9 Pacific. Have a great day, everybody. Take care. You've been listening to the Boomer and the Babe Show with hosts Pete Peters and Deborah Brown. The Boomer and the Babe Show is broadcast live on Tuesdays and Fridays. For a schedule of these shows and other shows produced by the Boomer and the Babe Radio Network, go to boomerandthebabe.com. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.